0: Morning, everyone. Very welcome to our service this morning, and uh, we're looking forward just to being in God's presence and seeking Him this morning. I've got a few announcements here. Um, just, just something I was thinking about during the week about us. One of our aims in the church uh, is to be a welcoming church, and that's something I love about this church, like a family, very warm congregation, but it's, uh, I've been reading a little book about being a welcoming church and how it, it's so easy to slip back into um, just the norm, and uh, some, we need to make a conscious decision uh, to try and, and make this place as welcoming as possible. I'm sure there's no one here who has ever, who, sorry, who has never sat somewhere, or been in an organisation, or in a place, or a meeting, where they haven't felt a bit left out? So please, please, uh, if you see someone and they're new, or they're sitting on their own, then ask them to come and sit with you, uh, just to welcome people. We want that. That is one of our aims in this congregation. So this evening we have the worship and prayer time at half past seven and it would be great uh, to see you there um, in the the quiet room. Next Sunday morning we have our family thinking day, that's the guides uh, service and uh, it's also it's connected also it's a link between the family service and the thinking day and looking forward to that. Please come along to that. It's not just for those who've got children and the guides. It's for everyone. It's a family service. And um, next Sunday evening, we have Life Lounge with Terry Morrison, who's going to be our guest. And Terry will be sharing his personal testimony and providing an insight into the background and the purpose and the mission of his connection to Cape and Ray Bible College. And waiting for Sophie, we appreciate that they'll be leading our praise as well. Friday the 3rd of March is the World Day of Prayer, which this year has been prepared by Christians in Taiwan. And the local service will be held in Grimsport Presbyterian Church at 11 a.m. with refreshments available from 10.15 a.m. So that's 11 a.m. Friday the 3rd of March, Grimsport Presbyterian Church. Okay, and you'll be able to get refreshments from a quarter past 10.00. Our next Messy Church is being held on Sunday the 12th of March. Uh, Leaflets are available in the vestibule. Uh, Please take some to give to your family, give your friends, your neighbours. And uh, everyone is truly welcome to come along to that. And uh, now I'm going to ask Kim Fitzsimons is going to come and she's going to speak to us about the afternoon tea and the car booked sales. Thank you.
1: good morning everybody um, I've just a couple of announcements to make on behalf of the events and fundraising committee um, we're holding an afternoon tea on the 4th of March um, between 2 and 4 um, that's just two weeks away so we're sort of waiting on the hard sell for different things um, as well as a delicious afternoon tea we'll be having entertainment for waiting from Sophie And any of you who have been to Life Lounge know that they're a very talented group, so we're guaranteed good music. Um, The suggested donation for the invites are £10, but feel free to donate whatever you would like. We are willing to take any amount. Um, Remember, it's all going to a good cause, our church and all the things that we're on marks trying to do going forward. Um, Muriel and I will be in the vestibule after church, so if you want to buy tickets, not buy tickets, but donate to the tickets, sorry, um, just feel free. Um, We also would like to ask any of you who have cake stands. We need to borrow a few, quite a few, so if you have cake stands, if you let Muriel know and she'll organise them getting here and return to you and whatever. Um, The other thing I had to talk about is the car boot sales. We're still looking for volunteers. We're running it from March through to October, the last Saturday every month. We've already got March and April filled, but we need from May through to October. It's six people each month, um, two for tea and coffee, two to sell at the church's own stall, and two for the car park. So it's just if you feel you can give a morning, it's between nine and one on the, on the Saturday. If you feel you can come along and help us out, as I say, it doesn't take long, and it, we're only going to be asking you one month out of the eight. So come along again. The lists are outside, and we can fill you in. Okay. Thank you very much for listening.
0: and Muriel and all those folk that that work so hard at at fundraising so that we can do outreach and we can do the jobs and offer the community things that we really want to give. Um, So I just want to open the service. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 32. And Jesus says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And I was thinking during the week about that parable, and thinking about the kingdom of God, it's meant to increase, not decrease. And we are praying and seeking that God's kingdom would increase in Ballycroghan. Um, and that people would feel free to come here and relax and find faith in Jesus Christ and a love from a family. So let me just pray a minute. Father, we just, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he is our hope. We thank you, Lord, that he is our deliverer, our redeemer, our rock. He's our guide. Lord, he's the one that we want to exalt this morning. He's the one that we want to praise this morning. And we pray, Lord, that as we do worship him, that you would draw us, Lord, to him, Father. Just may there be a sense of your, a real sense of your presence here this morning, Lord. And may our hearts be opened, encouraged, and challenged for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand, we're going to sing Be Thou My Vision. I think that with the, uh, the theme that we're looking at, the armour of God and the call to battle, there's one verse in this particular song which is a favourite of mine and incredible and appropriate. Be thou my breastplate, my sword for the fight. Be thou my whole armour, be thou my true might. Be thou my soul's shelter, be thou my strong tower. O oh, raise thou me heavenward great power of my power let's stand and sing mm-hmm. like to sit and uh, if you just listen to a couple of verses that I'm going to read, um, Matthew chapter 6 verses 31
2: um, to 33. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or
0: what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this is the word of God. If the boys and girls want to come up and join me here, I'm feeling a bit lonely. If you like to come up, and you can sit on a beanbag or a seat or a cushion. <laughs> good. Too much choice now, isn't it? Okay, can anybody tell me, come on, can anybody tell me what's happening on Saturday the 6th of May? Anybody know, scratch your head, search your brains, (laughs) what's happening? It's probably not very exciting for you, but what's happening?
2: an afternoon
0: tea Uh, you're about two months late (laughs) but it's a good try very good try now let me give you a wee clue we'll put up my slide here there we go anybody does that give you a wee clue yes jackson the coronation of the king. It's when Prince Charles or King Charles will officially receive his crown and be declared as king of the United Kingdom. How amazing is that? Yes. Does anybody else in the Bible that talks about another kingdom, talks about the kingdom of God, sometimes it's called the kingdom of heaven, who do you think is that kingdom, Dizzy? Who's the king in that kingdom? Who's king? He, he's the one who lost his queen. He lost his queen, yes. <laughs> I think, go back a question. Okay, we <laughs> Now, who's king of the kingdom of God, do you think? God is the king, or Jesus. Jesus is called the king of kings, and we also call him Lord of lords. Lord simply means master or ruler. So over all of the kings in the whole wide world that have ever existed or ever will exist, Jesus is king of all the kings. He's the highest. He's the highest. Have you ever lost anything? Yes. What? You lost something? What do you lose? You're dummy, did you? (laughs) Boy, that was a bit of a crisis, wasn't it? (laughs) Did you find it again? Um, (laughs) A tooth fairy took it, did it? (laughs) Slap the palm of a tooth fairy. Anybody else ever lose anything? Yes? (laughs) Yes. I lost my doodles. She lost her doodles. are doodles? What's your doodles? It's it's a, Oh, it's a dummy. You lost your dummy too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm at that age. Now, to lose something, it doesn't mean it's disappeared. It just means you've misplaced it. I'm at that age. I'm coming out, having done the shopping in Marks and Spencer's, And I can't remember where I put the car. (laughs) I was busy looking around the car park, and I don't want to look stupid, so I'm pretending I'm looking at my watch and waiting for someone to come in. But I lose my car, but it doesn't mean it's disappeared. It just means that I've misplaced it. And sometimes, a lot of people, whenever they've turned away from God, they're referred to in the Bible as Lost because they've lost their way. They've they've so disconnected with God that they don't know where God is anymore. They can't find him, and they're lost. And some people don't even realize that they are lost. Now, Jesus tells a story, and keep in mind that he's king of kings and lord of lords. He tells a lovely story about a shepherd who owns a hundred sheep. And one little sheep, gets lost. He can't find it anywhere. It's maybe down on the ledge of a mountain or in a bush, but it's wandered off. And Jesus says that this good shepherd, he leaves the 99 sheep and he gets his mountain boots on and he goes over the mountain looking, searching until he finds that sheep And when he finds that sheep, he is so, so delighted and so happy to have found that little lost sheep. And what Jesus is saying to everyone that was listening to that parable, he was saying, all of us have been at one time lost. And that's the reason I have come to earth, because I have come to look for you and to find you and to reconnect you to God, my Father. Now. Also, there's another story. Does anybody know that there's actually a story in the Bible about treasure? Now, I don't know whether it's buried treasure, but there's a story about treasure. Oh, a lion gets him? Something to do with your grandest tablet and a lion gets him. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, there is, Jesus tells a story. He says, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. And he says, this man, he's out for a walk one day and he stumbles upon this place where there's treasure in this field, but he doesn't own the field. And the field's going to cost an awful lot of money. So what he does is he goes home and he sells his house. He sells everything he owns so that he can buy this field. And he comes back and buys the field with all the treasure in it. And Jesus is saying that's what the kingdom of God is like. That whenever we find the King of the Kingdom, when we find Jesus Christ, He's worth far more than anything that we own, anything that we possess. And like the disciples, then the disciples, the fishermen were told when Jesus said, "Come and follow me," they were mending their nets, and they left their nets they left their fishing boats, they left everything and went and followed him. And Jesus is saying, that's what's so precious about the king of the kingdom. He's more precious than anything else in the whole wide world. So now in the Bible, it tells us, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And that's what God says. So on one side, we have Jesus coming to earth, seeking us. On the other side, like the man who finds the the treasure, goes and sells everything and meets and finds the most precious thing. So we have Jesus seeking for us and us seeking for him. And we meet in the middle. And we find the most precious relationship that we will ever have. A living relationship with Jesus Christ and with God as Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And that's the good news of the gospel. And it came because Christ died in our place, taking the punishment for our sins. He got judgment on him. So that we wouldn't get judgment on us, and he could take God, the Father's hand, and bring our hand and bring them both together and meet in the middle. Isn't that wonderful? So now, boys and girls, I'm sure mums and dads tell you not to worry, don't they? I'm sure they do. And your grand says, don't you worry, don't you worry. But we all worry a wee bit, don't we? and mums and dads will worry a wee bit too and sometimes mums and dads will worry about how I'm going to feed well it's not so much now but in those days in the days of Jesus it was about food and it was about clothing how am I going to clothe my children how am I going to feed my children that's what people were worried about and you know what Jesus said and we've got different worries today but we still have have worries but you know what Jesus said Oh, hold on. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means, follow me first, and everything else I will provide for you. Make me first in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I will give you all everything you need, but remember, God knows what's best. Remember to follow me first, And I'll give you all you need. So we're going to actually sing, um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Um, Billy has asked me to try and split you up. Uh, So, okay, so we're going to have this group repeating the verse. Okay. And this group over here will be harmonizing with hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, now, hallelujah simply means praise the Lord okay so we're going to sing seek you first the kingdom of god if you repeat the verse and you sing hallelujah all right i hope that's as clear as mud okay right boy after you Good. And the Boys and Girls and Sunday Club uh, Bible class can go out now if you like. a lamp to our feet being the inspired truth of God. And so we're going to collect your offering at the moment and just relax and and listen to, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, which is a quote from Psalm 119, verse 105. Father, we pray that you would take these offerings of ours, Lord, that you would use them for the extension of your kingdom, and Lord, for to help those in need over in Syria and in Turkey, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you've been following the news during the week about uh, the situation in Syria and Turkey. And um, we're going to we're going to watch a little video now, which is from Samaritan's Purse. It's the most updated video that they have at the moment uh, in setting up a hospital out there. So it's only a very short video. Let's watch.
3: Right here in Turkey, the emergency field hospital opened. We opened about two hours ago and we've been able to see over 25 patients so far. Immediately upon opening, they said there's three ambulance patients coming right now. So we went from zero patients to full ER right away. Some of them have suffered injuries in the earthquake and, and have not been able to receive care since. So, some crush injuries, some wounds, as well as we've also seen some rescue workers who have been injured while working in the rubble. Very big issue here is the the main hospital that would be in this area is a thousand bed hospital. Well, they were traumatized in the earthquake, and that hospital is completely closed. We received the invitation from the Ministry of Health and were able to load our emergency field hospital on a plane and land here in Turkey on Friday night. That field hospital was transported by truck overnight, arrived on site Saturday morning and the team worked through the night Saturday and Sunday to open here on Monday morning. We're gonna flip all the wash stuff onto the other side. We know it's hard to replace a thousand-bed hospital, but these patients need healthcare, and it's uh, a joy to provide that for them. I'm gonna give you some pain medicine. People at home can pray for the people of this region. They've suffered a lot of loss, a lot of grief, and a hard road lies ahead. Is she breathing okay? (laughs) Please also pray for our team as they work and care here. For more information, please go to samaritanspurse.org.
0: And uh, as you know, we've got envelopes uh, for that. The moderator's appeal and um but we'll we'll keep that if you haven't been haven't brought anything this week if you would like to give don't worry about it and we'll keep that open for next week also but i'm trying to take a wee bit from different missions that are involved i want to read a wee bit from tear fund here just and then we'll pray uh, together a powerful earthquake has left millions of people at the mercy of a freezing winter as their homes have been reduced to rubble More than 35,000 have lost their lives, and that, I think, has has increased considerably. And it's a race against time to reach people in desperate need. In Aleppo, many hospitals and medical centres had been destroyed during the conflict and haven't been rebuilt yet, explains Martin Leach, who leads Tier Fund's work in the region. People were already extremely vulnerable, so this earthquake is a crisis on top of a crisis. From shelter to food and warm clothing, the needs are enormous, but prayer can make a difference. Please join us in praying for the people across Turkey, Syria, and the region who've been affected by this disaster. Let's just uh, bow our heads and, and pray to the Lord, the things that they have recommended to pray for. Lord, we pray for energy and strength for doctors and nurses as they work around the clock to save lives. We pray, Lord, for clear roads and bridges so that emergency services and supplies can quickly reach those in need. We pray for a plentiful supply of medicines, equipment and hospital beds and pray that those who are still missing will be found safe. We ask you, God, for good weather so the rains and snow do not slow down the work. We pray for comfort for those who have lost their loved ones and healing for people who are injured. We ask you, God, to draw near to them in this time of grief and uncertainty. We also pray for provision of safe shelter, for food, for clean water, and warmth for people who have lost their belongings, homes, and livelihoods. We ask you, God, to give them courage and strength to face these new challenges. We pray that vulnerable people, such as people with disabilities, orphans and pregnant and nursing mothers, will be protected and that no one will have to suffer alone. Finally, we pray for freedom from anxiety and fear for people who are feeding, feeling distressed, particularly those already in fragile situations throughout the region. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a, 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 quite a, a short chorus now. It's Jesus, we enthrone you. Um, The fellow Paul Kyle who wrote this uh, lived in the same street uh, as me and it's a very simple uh, chorus but it is one which we try in our hearts to put Christ in the centre and to make him, give him his rightful place amongst us. So Jesus, we enthrone you. We'll sing that through a couple of times. Thank you, Billy. it's great to see our, our choir or our, I don't know, our group uh, leading the worship this morning. Thank you for doing that. Um, it's, it's lovely to see you back. <laughs> okay. I'd like to read for you Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 uh, verses 10 to 18. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18. Finally be strong and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet, feet feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I shoot and this is the word of God but um, I just we're going to watch a little video uh, just contemplative worship just time to settle our hearts and instead of me asking God to come and speak to you it's a a chorus where you can in your own heart ask him to speak to you because it's not important what I you know it's not important I'm not important what's important is that you go home today with what God wants to say to you So, this is our wee chorus that I think is a beautiful chorus. It's called, Speak, O Lord. See we could just have the wee uh, PowerPoint uh, up just to start. Um, so last week um, that we are in a battle, uh, not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. There is a battle and a clash between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness. And Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 12, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. See, jealousy and pride were Satan's original downfall. And Satan's terribly aggrieved, terribly jealous that God is worshipped while he fades into the background. His aim is to divert glory from God at all costs, to take as much as he can that brings pleasure to God, to take that away from God. And so a battle between the two kingdoms ensues. I said earlier about the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God, the moment Jesus stepped onto the earth, that's when the kingdom of God came. But the kingdom of God is not yet consummated. It's here, but it's not yet fulfilled. And Christ went on the offensive. He defeated death. He conquered sin. The check has been signed and dated 2,000 years ago, but his kingdom upon the earth has still to be fully fulfilled. It's partially here, but not fully here. The check is still to be fully cashed, and that will happen the day that he steps back onto the face of the earth again on his return. And the third person of the Trinity, that's the Holy Spirit, and praise God for him, for Christ has given us him as a power to live the Christian life in this broken world and the strength to stay the course. He's the one who gives us the strength to stand fast in the strength of the Lord to extend the kingdom of God on our doorsteps and across the seas. The one offensive weapon that God does give us is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I don't want to look at it today as a sword, but what I want to look at today is what Paul calls the belt of truth. When a Roman soldier wore a belt, it wasn't just to keep his trousers up, (laughs) neither was it a minor part of the armor. It had a crucial part to play, probably the most important role of all of the armor, even though it was small, because the breastplate Everything, almost every part of the armour, depended on the belt. The breastplate was attached to the belt. The sword was slotted into the belt. The shield, when it wasn't being used, was clipped into the belt. His belt held everything in place. And when a soldier tightened his belt, he was ready for combat because as he tightened his belt, he drew up his tunic, he tucked it into his belt so that it wouldn't trip him up. And Paul says that truth performs this crucial function when it comes to our spiritual battle. In the truth holds the armor, all of the armor in place. Every other part of the armor finds its position in relation to the truth, the belt of truth. But when Paul refers to truth here, is he referring to the need to be truthful, or is he referring to the, uh, to, to the Word of God? Is he referring to it's important for us to be honest, or is he referring to the Word of God? I think he's referring to both. So I want to look briefly at both this morning. First of all, being truthful, being honest as an ethical issue. You know, in John 8, when Jesus confronts the Pharisees, he accuses them of belonging to their father, the devil. He says that when the devil lies, he speaks his own native language. And when we lie, rather than taking on the character of God, we take on the devil's character. We take on Satan's character. Paul writes earlier in Ephesians 4.27, Do not give the devil a foothold. And one of the easiest ways to give the devil a foothold is in the area of lying is in the area of surrendering truth and honesty in exchange for lies and deceit. I think it's something that many in society have grown quite lax about. Many feel very content, almost as if it's their right to lie. If it means that by doing so, they're going to benefit, perhaps get more money, more business, a better job, etc., Many feel content with lying as long as it's going to pay off, as long as it's going to be of benefit to them. But the problem is that one lie will often need another lie to protect it, and then another lie, and then another lie, and before you know it, there's a web of lies and deceit are created which may well entrap you. And of course, when someone lies enough, it becomes a habit. It becomes easier and easier to lie. And they begin to rationalize why they lied. It, It becomes easier to rationalize why that. It's only for my business. Lying will get me more money. Lying will get me this grant or that benefit. How often have you heard someone say, it doesn't pay you in this world to be honest. But to be dishonest has a greater cost. It has a greatest cost because when we, display, when we lie, we display not the character of God, but the character of Satan. And when we lie, it kills off our witness for Jesus Christ. I read a, a book a number of years ago by Stuart Briscoe, who used to be a lecturer at Cape Bible School. He'd be very elderly now. But it was a book called F- uh, Flowing Streams. And he tells of his earlier life as a young Christian man who worked in a bank uh, in his local town. And his boss one morning says to Stuart, if this woman rings her, tell, tell her I'm not here.
2: And Stuart replied, why, where will you be? No, I'll, I'll be
0: here. But if she phones, tell her I'm not here. And Stuart replied, I will not do that. I will not lie. If you want me to tell her that you're not here, then go somewhere else, and then I'll tell her that you're not here. And his boss was very angry. Stuart says, I'm not going to lie to her. Stuart left his office. But later that afternoon, Stuart came back into his office and said, let me just explain this to you. If I lie for you, I may lie to you.
2: But if, you, but if you know I won't lie for you, you will know I will never lie to you.
0: And the next day, the boss called him in to the office and said, Stuart, I'm going to make sure that you rise to the top of this bank. Well, it didn't really matter because a couple of weeks later, he came in and said, Sir, God's called me to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher. i believe him." But lying builds a wall of deceit. And it may start only with your business life, only with your financial business. But believe me, if you don't break the habit, it will begin to infiltrate in other areas of your life, such as your marriage, your family, your personal life. It becomes a habit which will lead you even to start lying to yourself and lying to God. The belt of truth Stop, put it on, tighten it. Tighten the belt of truth. Be honest with yourself, honest with God. You know, it's so essential in the Christian life to be honest to yourself in recognizing your feelings, in recognizing your sin, your weaknesses. And because confession to Christ and keeping a, a, an open, clear, fresh account with Christ... Confession to Christ is very important in the Christian life, recognizing your feelings, recognizing your sin, recognizing your weaknesses, and then confessing them to him who will cleanse you. You're being honest with him also. So it's important because without that honesty before God, the rest of the armor is pretty useless, pretty redundant, unless you're honest about God, to God, about yourself, and honest with others. Every part of the armor hooks in to the belt. It's dependent on the belt of truth. Now, God himself gives us the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. But going even deeper than that, David in Psalm 51 he recognizes the need for honesty and integrity. He knew what it was like to build a wall of deceit in order to try and cover up his adultery with Bathsheba. Lie after lie after lie. But now in Psalm 51, after facing his sin, after being eventually honest about what he'd done, David stresses God's desire for honesty and and integrity. Behold, he says, you desire, talking to God, he says, you desire truth in the inward parts. God does not want us to lie, even when it's more convenient for us to lie. Speak the truth in love. And that's, that's sort of another sermon, but speak the, if you are speaking the truth to someone, there's a way of doing it out of love of your heart, but speak the truth in love, writes Paul in Ephesians 4.15. But Paul, when he refers to the belt of truth, is also referring to the Word of God, not as a weapon here, not as a weapon, but as a starting point for all of us. As a starting point. You know, if I was to send you a letter telling you that you owe me a £1,000, you may think to yourself, who does he think he is? And throw the letter in the bin. If on the other hand you receive a letter with Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs printed at the top of the page telling you that you owe a thousand pounds to them, you'll pay it. Because you know if you don't, action will be taken and you may end up in court. Well the difference between my letter and the letter the inland revenue letter is one of authority. The Inland Revenue Letter has authority. You know, I don't claim to understand all of the Word of God. There are some things in it which, if I'm honest, I find difficult to get my head around. But I pay great attention to it primarily not because of what it says, but because of who says it. There may be difficult parts within it, But for me, it's done its job. God's written word has led me to know the living word, namely Jesus Christ. And that's its main purpose. There's a bloodline, a trace of blood, which runs throughout the pages of the Old Testament, right all the way to Calvary in the New Testament. Right all the way to the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords and our Savior. And let's face it, within its pages, there is such wisdom for life. And that's no matter whether you're a teenager or you're a young parent trying to bring up a family or whether you're in that stage of life where bereavement is hitting you and illness is more prevalent than it's been or whether you're in the last years of your life and you're waiting for God to take you home. The Scriptures, the Word of God has such wisdom to give I've certainly found it to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So let me just put this warning in. If the belt of truth is the word of God, which it is, and every other piece of armor attaches itself to it and finds its stability or foundation in it, then it's only logical that if Satan wants to weaken our defenses as much as he possibly can, he's going to hit us where it disables us the most. Bringing doubt, bringing confusion, over the Word of God. If knowing the Word of God is what keeps every piece of armor functioning the way it should, it's gonna be at the top of Satan's priority list to hit it and to stable stable our belief in the Word of God. For example, in the Garden of Eden, Satan casts doubt in Eve's mind, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And even what gall Satan has, the creep, even what gall he has coming to Jesus when he's tired and hungry and saying, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. No, Satan loves to create doubt. He loves to create confusion. He loves to twist and to lie and to take out of context. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. When he speaks lies, Jesus says he speaks his own native tongue. So really, there's no other way around this. We need to get to know the word of God. We need to know, you need to know God's promises for you. You need to learn God's thoughts and plans for you. God's desire on his heart being shared with you. You know, don't read it like a textbook, but read it, meditate upon it, receive it into your heart. Let God use it to change your outlook on life, to change your attitudes, to change your habits, to change your priorities. Read it and let it read you and let it lead you to Jesus every single time. That's its purpose. Let it lead you to Jesus Christ, the best friend you can ever have, the King of kings, Lord of lords, Savior, your Redeemer. Let it take you to him every single time you know, you might be thinking, and I struggle too, I'm I'm struggling too, I just don't have time for this. You know, busyness in life is a big factor. You know, in spite of all the technology which is meant to free us up and give us more leisure time, we find life is faster and more incoherent than it's ever been. Can I ask you just to do something Work out how many hours you spent on the internet and social media last week and write it down. And beside that, write down how long you spent watching television. Write that down. And then beside that, write down how long you spent alone with God, just you and him in the last week. we need to get to know the Word of God and allow it it to affect our hearts and allow it to affect our attitudes and our walk. Paul writes in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what? God's wanting to share what his will is, what his heart is with us with you. How are our minds transformed? How do we get to know what the heart of God is? By reading and inwardly digesting the word of God, so that when Satan comes with doubts and confusion, you've got the ammunition that you need to defend yourself, to stand your ground, to hold fast. Jesus in the wilderness rebuffed Satan's doubts by the use of the belt of truth. On all three occasions, excuse me, on all three occasions he resists Satan with It is written.
2: It is written. It is written.
0: He he writes He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And you know what? Jesus, even though he's the son of God, we might think in the back of our minds, well, he's the son of God. He's probably got a concordance planted in his brain from birth. But no, son of God, but also human. He had to learn these things. He had to learn these things. He had to, he had to learn the scriptures. And as he quoted scripture to Satan you know, what Jesus was saying to
2: Satan was really this. You know, when he says it is
0: written and quotes, he, what he's saying is this has already been solved. This is the word of God. It's objective truth.
2: It's unchangeable truth. It's non-negotiable. And Satan backs off because he knows
0: he cannot argue with it. You know, you might be sitting thinking, oh, I can never understand all of the Word of God. I don't understand all of the Word of God either. You don't have to understand all of the Word of God to be able to trust it. You know, when I get on a plane, I don't understand how a 413-ton 747 plane can stay in the air. I don't understand the physics of the aerodynamics, but when I sit in the plane, I relax, I read a book, I maybe go for a sleep. Because I trust the engineers when they were designing it and building it, they understood how it all worked, and I trust that the pilot knows how to get this thing in the air and keep it there. And as I relax on the plane, I feel the thrust beneath me as it runs along the runway and eventually pulls up into the air. I don't understand all of the word of God. I want to grow in my understanding, and all of us, we're all on that journey. But I will, I'll never understand it all,
2: but I trust it because of who speaks it.
0: I trust it because it leads me to Jesus and I feel the thrust of the Holy Spirit lifting me when I read it. I feel the thrust of the Holy Spirit lifting me into an awareness of God's presence. Be truthful.
2: Be honest. And invest in learning the Word of God. Without either of those two things, we allow
0: ourselves to, to be very vulnerable Now I can imagine myself lined up amongst an army ready for inspection and the general apostle Paul walking along to do the inspection and I'm standing there I can imagine him very abruptly saying straighten up shawl, chest out, belly in get that belt tightened
2: get that belt tightened prepare for battle Or in the words of Billy Hyman,
0: (laughs) fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Surprised you there, didn't (laughs) it? I do listen sometimes. (laughs) Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us the word of God. Lord, and it's not just a storybook. It's not just a philosophy. It is your word, your truth. And with that, God, comes your authority. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that Satan, powerful that he might be, cannot stand against your word. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is settled. I pray, Lord, that each of us, Lord, might have a hunger for your word you put that in us and lord that we would strengthen this piece of armor this belt of truth lord to start with before we start to connecting all the other pieces to it in jesus name we pray amen so we're going to finish with holy 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 lord god almighty Before we say the benediction there's a cup of tea uh, or coffee and some refreshments you're very welcome to stay for that and if you are uh, a new family if you've come here for the first time or a couple of times you're actually an extra welcome uh, to, to stay behind and get something and some refreshments um, with us now may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be amongst us be with us be in us forevermore. Amen.